Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few moments, I'm going to invite you to stay with me. It'll be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education. But it's all done without manipulation because this show is not about selling anything and this show is not about having you join anything nor solicitation. This show is about accurate information, giving you information that will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. That's the objective of this show, to give you that information so you can see your choices, what's in front of you. I really don't know who's listening. I don't know where you may be. I only know where this show plays, and I know the morning that it plays on. I know the station that it plays on, but I don't know where you are if you're listening. My prayer is that if you're listening, you will not only hear my voice, but inside of your heart, you will hear the voice of God himself encouraging you, warning you, counseling you and leading you in the way that you should go in your life. See what I want to offer you on the FLOT line, F-L-O-T, FLOT line. Remember, that's a military term. We're talking about the Christian life in terms of a military analogy. And that's not unusual because in the Bible, Paul uses military analogies all the time. But in the Christian life, we can build a FLOT line, a forward line of troops, flot. And that forward line of troops is made up of 10 unique problem-solving devices. When we learn them, when we use them, then we can have a phenomenal life. Why? Because they will stop the outside source of adversity before it ever becomes the inside source of stress. Yes, adversity is inevitable. However, stress is always optional. And so we give you this information. We want you to know God has designed a phenomenal life for you, a life beyond your dreams. People often talk about having a dream of success and succeeding, maybe in the entertainment field or maybe in the sports field or maybe even winning some lottery, and they think that if they can achieve their dream, they'll be happy. Well, temporal happiness doesn't last. The real happiness that lasts is the internal happiness called the happiness of Jesus Christ. It is a tremendous problem-solving device. Jesus himself said, my joy I give unto you. And it is possible to be in the worst circumstances in the world and not to be miserable, not to be bitter, but to actually enjoy the ride. Yes, it is possible, and I want to explain to you how that's possible. You know, the one of the unique problem-solving devices that we have is called faith. And my pastor years ago coined a term called the faith rest drill. And what the faith rest drill is is problem-solving device number three of our ten unique problem-solving devices. And this is you standing on the Word of God. It is like Ephesians 6 says, picking up the shield of faith by which you can quench the fiery darts 
of the wicked one. Well, what exactly are the mechanics for picking up the shield of faith? You know, if you want to crack the sound barrier, that's going to require excessive speed on your part. But if you want to crack the faith barrier, then it's going to require you to stand absolutely still. In Exodus 14, 13, Moses told those Jews that had come out of Egyptian slavery to stand still and watch what God was about to do. Remember, the Pharisee was in hot pursuit with his army. I mean, the uh, Pharaoh, excuse me, was in hot pursuit with his army. And the Red Sea was in front of them, and it looked like sure death, like they were pinned against the water. But if you remember the biblical account of what happened, you will know that God parted that Red Sea and allowed those Jews to cross. And then when the Pharaoh and his armies tried to follow, they were all killed when the water swallowed them up. God said that would happen. He said, you will see the Pharaoh no more after this day. And they didn't pursue the Jews anymore after that. Now, they had a lot of problems, that is, the Jews, as they wandered in the wilderness 40 extra years because they would not trust God. They would not believe God when they came up to the promised land. And the spies were sent in. You remember that biblical account? And only two came out, Joshua and Caleb, and said, we can do it. The rest all doubted God. Well, it takes faith to live this supernatural life. The life I'm talking about is called the Christian life, and it is a supernatural life. It requires the filling of the Holy Spirit, and you have that. When you became a Christian, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You were indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And when you sin, you quench the Holy Spirit. Thus, we have problem-solving device number one, which is called the rebound technique. Rebound is when you bounce back into fellowship with God because you bounced out by sinning. So when you rebound, you go to God and you admit your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive you. That's 1 John 1.9. And that is the secret to maintaining the filling of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a spirit-filled Christian with unconfessed sin in your life. You will be a carnal Christian and not a spiritual Christian. Some people say, well, I can't remember every sin that I did, and unfortunately, none of us can. But the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all, all, you hear it, all of our wrongdoing even the ones that you don't remember. So the Christian life requires the filling of the Holy Spirit, which you have in this church age. No one in the Old Testament had this. You have it. It's called the mystery doctrine of the church. You have it. First Corinthians 3 said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You have him in you, and you have the word of God. You have a Bible, a canon of Scripture, a completed canon of Scripture. No one ever had this. No one ever had a Bible in their hands so that they could look at it. Remember, it says the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than even a two-edged sword. So as you take the Bible, as you take the filling of the Holy Spirit, 
then you have that balance of residency in your soul where you're able to live this supernatural life, the Christian life. You can't do it in the energy of the flesh. An unbeliever cannot have this kind of life. It only comes through Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about faith, there's no work, no movement involved in it at all. It's just believe and trust. Trust the Lord and keep on believing him. Keep on trusting him. Keep on waiting on him. I mean, after all, if you trusted him to give you eternal life, you went to God the Father and you said, I want to accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior. You prayed a prayer, something like that. You made your wishes known to God, and he honored that. Because the Bible says, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and you did that. If you trusted him to save you, which is the biggest event in your whole life, then absolutely you can trust him for every need and every problem and every difficulty that arises in your everyday life. If you don't do that, then you're going to beat your brains out trying to handle unfair treatment, trying to handle the unjust treatment, trying to handle the disappointments and the failures and the frustrations that are always in front of us. There are real answers for every heartache we have. There are real answers from all of our problems and our adversities and and our frustrations, the difficulties, the troubles that we have. And those are found in the Word of God. In John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Do you hear that? In me you might have peace. There's no turmoil in Christ. There's no frustration in Christ. There's no disappointment in Christ. When you live the Christian life as God designed it, you can live free of these things. Jesus goes on to say, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He demonstrated to us by means of his own unique spiritual life as a human how we can live in the devil's world and replicate his lifestyle. That's why we're told to learn the mind of Christ in Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, and we're told in 1 Corinthians that the Bible is the mind of Christ. So becoming a Christian not only means that you're going to go to heaven, but it also means that now you have the means or the ability to stabilize and meet every problem, every difficulty with peace, tranquility. What a wonderful way for you to live, where you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to feel hopeless and helpless. You know that you have extraordinary power in the grace of God, and it's at your fingertips. So when there is no human solution, when you are numb from the shock or the pressure in your life, you can always turn to him, and he is there for you. Listen to the verses that I want to give you today. Isaiah 41, verse 10. My pastor recently taught this in one of our church services, and I thought it would 
be worth bringing to you today. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, if we're going to take a look at this verse just for a moment, let me give you some background, just a little bit of background. You see, Isaiah's ministry was to warn the southern kingdom of Judah that her sin would bring about the Babylonian captivity. And when the Babylonian king sent an envoy to Hezekiah, it became inevitable. It was going to happen. And uh, you can read about it in Isaiah 39, verses 1 through 6. I invite you to read that. Isaiah 39, 1 through 6. And you will see where King Hezekiah made a horrible mistake in that he showed all of his wealth and all of his assets to the one that was his enemy. And Isaiah let him know in no uncertain terms that was a mistake. You know, in the United States American foreign policy today, we seem to want to have equity with China and Russia and even North Korea, so we invite them to come and tour our facilities and do joint uh, military exercises with us, learn how we operate, see what we have. I think these are mistakes. But I'm not a politician. Who am I to say? But that fall that Isaiah warned about came in 586 under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. But however, Isaiah also knew that God would redeem his people from Babylon just like he did when he brought them out of Egypt. And so Isaiah predicted the rise of the Medo-Persian Empire and of Cyrus. Cyrus would come up through the Mede and the Persian Empire, and he would allow the Jews to go back home in 538-537 B.C. And so the words that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah are found in this passage. Fear not. The Hebrew word for fear not is an imperative command of Yahreh. Yahreh, meaning do not have fear. This is also a New Testament mandate. Maybe you've never thought about this, and so let me just put it on the table for you. Fear is a symptom of you assuming an unassigned responsibility. Fear is a sin. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not allowed to be afraid. What did our Lord tell Peter the night before he was arrested? He said, before that rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny that you know me on three separate occasions. And Peter, of course, said, that'll never happen. I'll follow you all the way to death. But we know that it did. What motivated Peter to deny Christ three times? What was it? It was one simple word, fear. Fear. Fear is an emotional sin. And when we sink into fear, we fail to use the faith rest drill. We put our eyes on the circumstances, not on the solution. And when we look at the, the circumstances, it looks like there's no way out. And I'm sure Peter thought he was trapped. Peter thought he would be executed. 
He was afraid. I don't know what his reasoning was, but I know that in Luke twenty-two sixty, the Bible says that our Lord turned and looked at Peter the last time Peter denied him. As he was being led out of the interview by Caiaphas, he had been beaten up severely. He turned and he looked at Peter. He heard him in the courtyard, and Peter caught the Lord's eye. And the Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly because he failed. Most of us never equate failure with fear, but it happens. And in your life, your failure may be your fear. Fear to advance in the plan of God. Fear to stand for Jesus Christ on your job, not to be an idiot now, not to be a crusader. But are you afraid because people use pejorative terms against Christians? Because people seek to demonize you that you are a believer in Jesus Christ? Fear is a horrible thing. And a lot of things can cause it. But fear not is what God tells you. There's only one translation of this verse. I know who it was written to, and, and I know what it's about. But there is an application for you here. That's why I'm using this verse. Yes, it's an Old Testament verse, but there's an application for you. Fear not. Why should I not fear? Well, look at the next part. I am with you. Now, does Jesus Christ live in you? Yes. Yes, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Jesus Christ lives inside of you. The Christian life is not ritual without reality. It's a relationship. It's Christ in you. And so if this verse is true, then whatever circumstances you and I face, he is with us. He is in us. He knows what we're going through. The word sha'ah in the Hebrew means he's watching over us, or he's aware of us, or gazing at us. There never is a time in your life when your Heavenly Father does not know exactly the circumstances you are in. Some of you are in unfair circumstances. You have been punished for something you didn't do. You have been promoted for something that you shouldn't have been promoted for or demoted. You, you face all these unjust, unfair circumstances in your life, like driving down the highway and the state trooper pulls you over and gives you a ticket, and actually it was the guy in front of you that was speeding, not you. And we throw a fit. We go bananas. We go ballistic. We're treated unfairly. Arrogance cannot handle unfair treatment, but humility can. An arrogant person reacts anytime he's treated unfairly. But a believer in Jesus Christ, if he has enough of the Word of God in his soul, and if he's filled with the Holy Spirit, will respond when he's treated unfairly with forgiveness, not react with bitterness. The arrogant person will react with bitterness. The believer will respond with forgiveness. I am with you, he said. And then he goes on to say, I will strengthen you. Amats is the Hebrew word, which means I will secure you. 
I will make you firm. And exactly how does God do that for us? He promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He promises, I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish. Neither shall any man ever pluck them out of my Father's hand. He promises in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against you will ever prosper. He's given you operational assets. He's given you divine provisions. He's adopted you into his royal family. He is your strength. He will strengthen you. Regardless of what adversity you face, if you use faith, if you believe God, you will be strengthened. This verse goes on to say, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Be not dismayed. I am thy God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Where he says, I will help you. The Hebrew word atzar means he will assist us and he will uphold us or grasp us or lay hold of us like we're sinking in quicksand and, and he reaches down and grabs us. Like my pastor was teaching about a couple of weeks ago about Peter when he got out of the boat and he began to sink and how the Lord reached down and rescued him and pulled him up. Do you remember why he was sinking? Because he took his eyes off of Christ and he put his eyes on the storm. And Jesus asked him, why did you doubt, O ye of little faith? That is a direct condemnation for not using faith to stabilize yourself in the middle of a storm. He was walking on water. He was doing fantastic. I'm sure that he told all those men on the boat with him, those other disciples, to get out the cameras. He could picture this in the Hebrew Herald the next Sunday. Peter and Jesus walking on water. It wasn't going to be Jesus and Peter. No, it was going to be Peter and Jesus walking on the water. It would have been in a Jerusalem journal, the Galilean Gazette, all the pictures. And yet he failed because he got emotional. He put his eyes on the storm. What are your eyes on today? Are you looking at your circumstances and feeling rotten? Are you looking at the unfair treatment that you've endured and are frustrated? Are you reacting with bitterness and not responding with forgiveness? You see, this requires another problem-solving device. And that device is called impersonal love. When we use the doctrine of impersonal love, we can love even people that treat us unjustly and unfairly because we're not loving them per se. We're loving the righteousness of God in them. We're loving them based on who we are, not who we are, not who they are, not who they are. You love them based on who you are. Isn't this what God did for you? Remember John three sixteen, God so loved the world. Where weren't you part of the world? Weren't you one of those jerks in the world? And did not God love you? Yes. But you can't love others, can you? Well, the Bible says if you love, say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. 
The Bible does not allow for hatred in the Christian's life. The Bible does not allow for bitterness in the Christian's life. Those are not part of the way our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, lived his life. And if we're going to live our life like Christ lived his life, it's not our way of living either. So he said he would assist us. How will he assist us? He will give us divine viewpoint. He will let us see the circumstances. He will let us know what his will is. There's nothing more comforting than to understand why God allows certain things to happen. Understanding the will of God is a tremendous thing for the Christian because then we don't have to be afraid, then we can relax, and we know that God always has a plan regardless of how horrible the circumstances may tend to be. He said, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. His righteousness. Yamen, the Hebrew word. Listen, God is absolutely righteous. He's 100% perfectly righteous. We are 100% not righteous. The Bible says there are none that are righteous. No, not even one. All of our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. So, how does an unrighteous person become righteous? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, He hath made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, he was sinless, to be sin for us so that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. If God is absolutely righteous, the only way I can have fellowship with him is to be absolutely righteous myself. And the only way I can have equivalent righteousness is to come to Jesus Christ. You know, the justice of God must condemn any unrighteousness as sin. But when God looks at you through faith in Christ, he sees a perfectly righteous person but it's not your accumulated righteousness that he's seeing. It's the righteousness of Christ in you that you receive the moment you put your faith in him. God can never compromise his righteousness. That's impossible. And so we must have equivalent righteousness. He is righteous. And he upholds us with the right hand of his righteousness. He points us in the right direction. He secures us. He enables us. He protects us. He guides us. He never lets us down. He never compromises his righteousness because we are equally righteous in Christ. The enemy of God's righteousness is the arrogance of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness has a false standard of morality and a false standard of legalism, and it is not the Christian life. However, it is the modus operandi of religion. Don't fall for it. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the righteousness of Christ. Thus God can receive you. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes, host of The Flotline, saying thank you for being with me today.
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.